Welcome to the Live Explore podcast. If you like what you hear, please hit like and subscribe. All right, welcome everyone. Uh, I'm Sean Payne, founder and principal of Live Explore Real Estate and Lifestyle. And I have again with me Isaiah Chass, our founding uh, agent. Isaiah, thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Uh, and today we're going to talk uh, again a few weeks ago, maybe three or four weeks ago, we talked about uh, corporate investors buying up single family residences. And uh, we're going to revisit that topic. Um, one, because uh, I think it's really important to, to hound this topic and let people know. Uh, I don't think they, they factor in this uh, equation when they're talking about uh, how they don't want new homes built uh, in, in communities that way. But I, I just think it's really important that people are aware how hard corporate America is coming after single-family residences right now. So. Yeah, and I, I think in the past, uh, people just don't have that great of a understanding or knowledge of it, and that's not their fault. It's it's uh, kind of something that I don't know that uh, corporate America is really making big noise about because they don't really want everyone to necessarily know about it. Um, but it, when people are knocking down the ideas for new developments, it's there's bigger implications that are going to be involved when yeah when they come in exactly and to go a little bit more depth is that you know it's 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 very common especially in smaller communities you know we're up here in northern california in sonoma county uh and it it, it is all across the board here marin sonoma napa mendocino that that these the smaller communities people generally don't like new developments that way. And, uh, and often they are, you know, uh, they're stifled one way or the other. Often, you know, communities will come in and, and, and basically kind of throw lawsuits at developers until the project doesn't make financial set, uh, sense anymore. And uh, again, like, you know, I can understand in the past, you know, there's, there's people that are, are very concerned about growth. They want to make sure it's done appropriately. And that, you know, so that like, you know, your quality of life isn't affected that, that, you know, we have traffic issues in these smaller communities and, and things of that nature. And I totally get that. You know, no one wants that, that new home development peering down on their home and all of a sudden they've lost privacy. I, I understand that. Um, but, but just like we talked about last uh, podcast and this one is that, you know, there's now a movement for these, these big corporate investors, Wall Street, are coming after single-family homes and coming after you know, apartments, condos, pretty much all types of housing that way. And it's going to make it. It's 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 really crushing the American dream. And uh, as corporate America owns more and more uh, uh, houses, uh, the housing market's going to react more like Wall Street. It's going to be very volatile, and we're already seeing that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we have more corporate investors uh, now. Corporate investors have, for the last few years have been buying up more homes in America uh, at a rate that we haven't seen in decades, and that's contributed to you know uh, the market cool off that that a lot of the data said we're not going to have a cool off until 2023, and the corporate investors came in, you know, and a lot of them uh, started cutting their prices because <laughs> uh, because uh, you know they wanted to cut their losses off early and not some uh, suffer dramatic losses. And they don't have that emotional tie like the typical yes, exactly. Has. W w who are usually the last ones to drop prices that way. Um, so, it, you know, it, it's something that it, it's very important that, uh, in my opinion, it's very important when then you're looking at new home communities uh, being proposed within, um, you know, 
we're up here in Petaluma, but anywhere in the North Bay or California for that matter, keep this in mind that like when you stifle that that like mid-level builder, you know, not the not the huge builder, but the mid-level builder that comes in, you're going to throw lawsuits at them, and you're you're going to stop the project that way. You know, you, you've won the the battle in the short term, but really the the only builders that can make it happen then are the large, uh, you know, uh, national builders that way that come in and, and and really don't care about what you have to say. And as we're going to talk about in a second, they're the ones that are going to be selling to these corporate investors. And so what happens to the American dream when when people, they just don't have the opportunity, the, the inventory is not there to buy homes that way. And so that's why I think it's so important that when we have these infill projects that they really need to be pushed through aside from the need that we have. A, I mean, we have a dramatic need for housing, you know, right. uh, aside from that. So, yeah, I would encourage a lot of people also to uh, go to your local community meetings for all types of projects, specifically uh, new development projects for housing, and just pay attention to what's being said. We were at a recent development project uh, community meeting, and there's a lot of points that were brought up, which I don't think those points really saw the big picture. And my point in all that is uh, when people are knocking down the ideas for for new homes being built, I don't think they're really understanding the whole picture of no. what's involved with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think it's pretty highly regarded that real estate's one of the safest investments, um, you know, over the course of time. But when corporate America is buying uh, large stakes in homes and real estate, then it doesn't make it as... Uh, uh, as safe. Right, right. And you know what? The, the corporate builder will be much more likely to sell the entire development to Wall Street rather than the mid-level builder that right. built those homes. Uh, realize that like those national builders are selling those homes at a discount to the to uh, to uh, Wall Street. So like the mid-level builder isn't going to want to do that. That's not how he's projected that that project to to pen out that way. But let's let's jump into like what's been going on the last couple years uh, in in terms of like corporate investors in real estate. So. So um, in 2021, investors bought nearly one in seven homes sold in America's top metropolitan areas, uh, the most in the last two decades. And this is uh, coming from uh, Redfin's data that way. And so like if you jump down to like the uh, uh, the uh, the top 10 metros where investors bought the highest share of purchase homes. Let's just go through this really quick because some of this is crazy. You have like Atlanta, 25 percent of all the homes purchased. Uh, were by corporate investors, 25%. That's huge. Huge. You look in your neighborhood and... and One in four homes now, you have Wall Street owning the homes around you, okay? Uh, So again, Atlanta has 25%. Charlotte has 25%. Miami has 24%. Jacksonville has 22%. Phoenix has 22%. Orlando has 19%. Detroit has 19%. Las Vegas has 18%. Tampa has has 18%, and Nashville has 16%. Again, these are just the top metros, uh, the top 10 metros uh, where investors have uh, bought the highest share of purchased homes that way. Um, so like a lot of you, again, we're out in California. A lot of you are saying, well, that's not in California. It's happening here as well. Totally. Uh, you look at the Blackstone Group, uh, which is the single... Uh, or I'm sorry, their single-family rental arm, Invitation Homes. Uh, it's the largest private landlord in Sacramento, second to uh, the largest ho- property owner, which is the county of Sacramento itself. Uh, Invitation Homes owns 15,600 homes, which is uh, 19% of their total portfolio, and it's growing. Uh, and, and that's a huge number. I mean, you look, if you're in a, a neighborhood, either the home across the street 
or next to you on either side is going to be owned by corporate America. Right, right. So like, let's just reiterate that. The Blackstone Group, single-family rental arms, their portfolio is 19% uh, in California. Correct. I mean, that's that's so so it is here. That's something to be very uh, concerned about that way. Uh, in Los Angeles and Riverside, they have an estimated 8,000 uh, single-family rentals owned by institutional investors. Uh, and Sacramento and San Francisco have a combined estimated 5,000 single-family uh, rentals owned by in, uh, institutional investors. And this was a study found uh, that was published by uh, Emory uh, University. Um Looking at population, uh, the population of renters compared to institutional investor-owned rental properties, Los Angeles and Riverside County have about 2.4 million renters. In Sacramento and San Francisco, have about you know, 724, 725,000 renters. So the the institutional investor presence in in Los Angeles and and, and Riverside is point uh, 0.03 percent. So uh, it doesn't sound like a whole lot, but but. It doesn't take a whole lot of, uh, you know, a huge percentage of uh, the inventory to really influence prices. Again, that it just takes that that one home in your neighborhood that's similar to drop their price down to what's what's acceptable to Wall Street, but may not be acceptable to that individual person to affect uh, you know the values that way. Uh, between uh, Sacramento and San Francisco, it's it's a, a little bit higher, 007 percent uh, of uh, of institutional uh, investor presence in Sacramento and San Francisco. But that number is going to grow. Um, you know, California is not as concentrated as other regions, um, you know, like Atlanta or Charlotte, things of like that, you know, where 29,000 of Atlanta's single family residences belong to institutional investors. And uh, they only have 235,000 renters in Atlanta. So in Atlanta, you have 12% of single family residences are controlled by institutional uh, investors. That's scary. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's something that we really need to keep an eye on here uh, and watch those numbers and and, and try to make sure that doesn't grow. Um, You know, right now, there's no public available data on rental property ownership, and rental advocates are trying to propose a public rent registry. And, and, you know, uh, to track... um, uh, rental ownership to understand who's o- owning the rental units, which I, which I totally get. Um, you know, but the thing that scares me is like once this registry, if it, if it's established, the thing that they're, what the train of thought's going to be then is to put a cap on uh, the 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 corporate uh, uh, investors, you know, owning properties, which which may be like a you know a viable way to address this partially. But again, really the way that I see of addressing this is is build, build, build and devalue that asset. And maybe like, you know, if which in turn makes it a safer asset. Uh, well, well, right now being being that it's, you know, we're not building enough homes. That's why institutional investors are really coming after it right now because it's such a safe investment that way. And and not to make like not to like put the industry on their ear, but but part of this is like we need these infill projects. We need within these small communities, we need these like smaller to mid-level builders, their projects need to get approved, you know, because they make sense. They're less likely to sell to a corporate investor that way. And and right 
now. I, I just see this as like a war of, of single family homes being owned by corporate investors versus individuals. And that's why I, I just think that every time you kill one of those little infield projects, this per, these percentages that we, we're talking about are going to shift towards the corporate side that way. Who, who thinks about this? I've never heard one local politician or one anyone local here bring up this issue. And it's huge. And I can understand like the last 20 years, 20, 30, 40 years, it hasn't been topical. Now it is. It's really important. And, and what I'm concerned about is like one day we're going to wake up and realize that like, you know, 20% or 15% of the homes around us in our communities are owned by corporate investors. And it's going to be much harder to overcome that and change that at that point than it is now. Right. So. I mean, how do you claw back from that? And, and going back to the point you made about it just takes one corporate buyer to uh, cut the, the price on their property and and, and that they're selling and all the homes in the neighborhood, you know, that affects that. Well, when they own one in four homes in the neighborhood, you know, then th- there's three homes on the street that they right. they take that price cut. And then suddenly your whole neighborhood just took a, a 15% haircut on on its its value. Right, right. You know, and, and, and uh, you know, you, you, you brought up a great point prior to the podcast that we should talk about build to rent because that's what's, you know, that's what's going on too is that, you know, you have Lenar, uh, you know, huge national home builder, one of the biggest, I don't know, if, if not, you know, one of the top three biggest, I believe. Uh, and, and, and what's happened is that home buyer sentiment has dropped because the economy is uh, dropping. Excuse me. In the last economic downturn, we, we, we suffered uh, from the foreclosure crisis, and a lot of home builders got really beat up. So they're very conscious of like economic downturns at this point. Uh, Lennar has now offered 5,000 new, uh, new single-family home builds to corporate investors. So like, they're kind of hedging their bets, like, hey, we, we're building these homes out right now. Why don't we just sell them off to a corporate investor at a discount, and that allows us to continue to build? And you know, right. they'll identify what communities they should sell to to individuals and corporate investors and that. But again, like that's not a good trend to to continue. So now we have, you know, uh, the major, the larger national builders that are selling off um, these single family residents, not as like not being sold to individuals, but they're being built to rent them out for the long term that way. Right. And so this is going to continue. This this trend is going to continue. Uh, J- JP Morgan is about to spend one billion dollars on rental homes across the uh, the U.S. That's uh, billion with a B. Yeah, it's a billion. <laughs> they want to become a mega landlord, and this is coming from Business Insider um, uh, that way. Just a, a, an article I found a couple weeks ago. But again, JP Morgan is about to spend a billion dollars of of uh, buying hundreds of rentals uh, across the United States. And just to give you an idea here, when we're talking about build to rent, I think like half of that is allocated to buy like, you know, newer home, newer home construction. Let's see the duo plans. Uh, let's see. The first installment will include a purchase of 250 homes in three communities around Atlanta. So again, you know, Atlanta, that's a whole nother podcast of why they're choosing certain areas. But uh, you can see that, that uh, you know, they're, they're going hard at the Atlanta area. But eventually that'll come out here. And, and again, like, you know, this is just one article talking about J.P. Morgan, but we talked about this in the last podcast. You know, Wall Street, uh, the venture capitalists, they're, they're, they're pulling funds together. J.P. Morgan is not the only one doing this. There's, you could run a Google search for corporate buyers of residential real estate, and you'll come across 15 companies right off the bat that, that are doing it with 
anywhere from 10 million to 100 million to a billion dollars worth of capital getting funneled into those channels. Right, right. Yeah. And so again, like, how do we address this? Uh, you know, a lot of people can say, hey, well, let's just, you know, the easy solution is just to cap the corporate buyers. One that doesn't really fix the housing issue. Maybe it's just allowing the, the smaller and mid-level builders to build and not cause so many problems because those are the people that are really, one, those are the ones those are the builders that tend to listen more to the community about mm -hmm. what the community wants and needs and works with the community. And again, what we're doing right now is we're just, it's going to be, we're going to have nothing but, but uh, national builders around us at some point, and they're going to start selling to, to corporate America. And what happens to the, the American dream at that point? Right. So, um, yeah, so that, that's, that's kind of, kind of my spiel that way. Yeah, same as the last podcast, I, I just urge people to do their homework, know what's going on, learn more about what's going on. And when you hear people with opposition to new projects, you know, educate them if you're listening to this on on what the the alternative looks like. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and factor this in, you know, when when you're talking about, oh, I don't want this home community here because of traffic, things of that nature, you know, uh, think that it's going to be we stifle enough of these projects. It's going to be very hard uh, for smaller communities to, for people to purchase homes in the future. I, I'm, I'm really scared about what the landscape looks like in 10 or 15 years from now. So if this trend continues that way. Right. So, right. So. Well, uh, I think that pretty much concludes it. Uh, thank you, everyone, for, for joining us today. Uh, uh, if you enjoyed this, please hit like and subscribe and uh, so that you see future episodes. Uh, my name is Sean Payne. I'm the founder and principal of Live Explore Real Estate and Lifestyle, located in uh, downtown Petaluma, and Isaiah Chass, our founding agent here. Thank you very much again for joining us. Absolutely. If you guys have any questions, please reach out and ask us any questions that you have. Yep, yep, we're here for you. So thanks again, and talk to you soon. See you guys. Welcome to the Live Explore podcast. If you like what you hear, please hit like and subscribe.